I like to light my cigars with 20 pound notes paid for by the BBC. Then I like dirty girls to blow the flames out from the notes. I'm old school British Broadcasting Company. I like children and I like to eat them. But there's nothing more I like than the second wrong podcast with D. Simon and Lance Wackerly. Ha, 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 This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary, brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. And I'm Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wackerly? You still stuffed from uh, Thanksgiving? Yeah. I just have kept eating all weekend, which is not good. Believe it or not, I made it up to the Bay Area. You know, it came close where uh, I almost was just not going to go. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Uh, you don't know what it was. I I have really poor traveler's luck. I also have a short fuse when it comes to that stuff. And I just kind of – I was drunk because my flight had been delayed for a few hours. It was at the Long Beach Airport, which is not a convenient distance from Hollywood. It, it sucked. I had to take like a train to get out there. I could have driven, but it's like 19 bucks a day to park. Yes. So I figured – I read that, oh, you could take a train and then just, you know, you, you hop on a cab. It's right by the it's, – it's not that easy. I should have driven. But anyway, I get there. And my flight was delayed like three hours. I waited three hours and finally they're like, oh, yeah, it's canceled. So I could have just waited another six hours to catch another flight to Oakland. I don't get how it was going to be six hours is what I don't get. There's like a flight every hour. Yeah, but there are two more to San Francisco. Both those are full. And then there's one to Oakland. This is like around 2.30 or 3.30, and there's one to Oakland that was leaving at 9.30. And I'd have had to fly standby. Right. But somebody always flakes. Yeah, well, that's what the lady said. Especially on the holidays, they get too drunk because they don't want to go see their family, and then, you know, you just get their spot. I was drunk, and then I uh, had a hissy fit. You were that guy? Yeah, and then I just stormed out of the place and uh, went home, took a nap, and then just drove six hours up to the bay area yeah so it's not a terrible drive it wasn't that bad i ended up making it Got you to know spend... you can do you can listen to podcasts on the way i could listen to uh, did you see that i read an article today i think it's in salon.com about six comedy podcasts you can listen to over the holidays oh which one were we uh we're not on there unfortunately we weren't in there <laughs> we Shit. weren't on the list hardwick but, uh he wasn't on there but uh mark what? Marin was number one Oh yes, Mark Marin. Mark Marin, because yeah, that He's that an guy intellectual comedy comedy person. Intellectual comedy. It's 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 much more highbrow than sick and wrong. He's a thinking man's comedian. It's a thinking man's <laughs> podcast. That one. He's a comedian's comedian. On this episode Marin. of What the Fuck, <laughs> it's actually it's called WTF because I want to keep it clean here. Well, I'm going to be interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson. That isn't what he sounds like at all. No, like but that's but that is good. He's like Neil, man. Why do you do what you do? I'm just in awe of you. 
How what was it like doing? growing up black and into science? And into science. It's, I mean, God, you know, who else? It just blows your mind. Most black people are playing basketball. Oops, was that racist? <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's, that's one of the most popular podcasts there, Wackily. So Doesn't can, he always ask about their fa- relationship with their father? Isn't that like his thing? He, his, his question, what he gets to is he keeps asking like these preliminary questions, but the main question he's leading up to is, when did your, when did your father stick his finger in your asshole? Right, and you became who you are today, and that's pretty much what happened with all the uh, pretty all of his guests, really, including so the women. What, so is that what you listen to on the way up? That's what your parents so- finger on the butthole show. I just what I do is I fast forward to the point where he gets to that question. Is that what WTF stands for? Win, win the finger. I think that's what it is. When. Oh. I mean, I think there's certain words in between, but it's an abbreviation. So it's like, when yeah. did the finger happen? Yeah. So he just shortened it to when the finger. WTF. Oh, okay. I get it now. So what I do is I just fast forward to the point where he actually asked the question because I don't want to listen to all the fluff. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I ended up making it to uh, Wax Giving, which was nice. Thanksgiving at the Wackerly household. Uh, it was a good one this year, Wackerly. Yeah. Jeffrey came over. Jeffrey came over with his twink. Were you nervous about that? Jeffrey sent me a text on the way up because I was coming up. He's like, hey, do you think Lance would care if I bring uh, my two friends? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Who are you bringing? And no, he, was- text, he texted me and I was like, he's like, can I bring two guys from, from, the, from the gay bar from the edge over because they don't have anything to do? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's not enough shares. Do you have a, do you have a two homo policy at, the, at Waxgiving? Uh, kind of <laughs> i just i mean jeff's when jeff says he has a friend that he's bringing it, it could just it could go like many different ways right and the guy he brought over was perfectly nice but, but like, you, ne- you never you, know i don't though. want it to be like some weird like methed out you know like party gay remember the guy he brought to my sister's wedding he was all right too but What's, a little uh, more in that direction i I guess I'm thinking of some of the, like the more the like the like oh like the the guys that are maybe in gay porn and they're all about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the one dude that one time you and I went and saw. I think it was the the Superman movie that came out. I don't know in, in like 2003 or 2004. With, right. With Jeff and one of his gay porn friends. Yeah. And uh, they kept leaving the bathroom to go do drugs, or kept leaving right. the movie to go to the I bathroom hope it was to go to do, drugs. do drugs. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> But, like, throughout the movie, they were just both getting up, like, every, I yeah. don't know, five minutes, six minutes. So I didn't week. want it to be like that. And I figured if he brought – what happened, so I told him, no, he couldn't bring either. And then he was whining on over text at me. And I said, All right. he's like, no, this guy really doesn't have anything to do and blah, blah, blah. So I uh, I said, okay, you can bring one. Uh, and it was fine. No, that guy, that guy was fine. He was, he was just kind of this quiet, just random dude. But, yeah, it, it could go – much worse than what it did. Like I, I've seen Jeffrey bring over just just some of the, like just complete crackheads. Really, like I like Big Daddy Mike, but if Big Daddy Mike comes to your party, your party is now all about Big Daddy Mike. Right, yeah, and then you also don't want to get and, you also don't want to get too drunk and pass out around Daddy Mike. You never know what might happen. I don't think he would rape me. <laughs> you never That's know what you're getting at. You never know. I oh, think great. Uh, Jeff, thanks for bringing over that guy who raped me. <laughs> If you were okay, if you were passed out, maybe on your stomach wearing Jeffrey's leather cap, like his leather baseball cap, then you might get raped. What was up with that leather snapback <laughs> baseball cap? It was quite. It was like kind of it was a topic of conversation at the dinner table for quite some time. I couldn't, I couldn't really under, understand why one would buy something like that and much less wear it around. I think you got a picture of it, right? 
Yeah, I did. All right, we'll we'll have to post that picture maybe on the on the on okay. The site. I'll send it to you. It's quite but, amazing. It, well, it's as if he were <laughs> he played for like you know the San Francisco Bears or something, which is the <laughs> all gay baseball team. I thought it was more like something Cool Mo D would have worn back in the early nineties. Because that's also how, true. A lot of those rappers, like the the early rappers, would yeah. wear like just a leather baseball cap. Like Queen Latifah, I think, wore a leather baseball cap. Well, even nowadays, Kanye is all into the leather pants and everything, right? Yeah, he, he probably wears a leather baseball cap. But yeah, Jeff just had this generic black leather baseball cap on, which I, you never know. That might mean something in the gay community, like he's into scat play or something. I don't know. No, but my favorite thing is when I was when I brought it up, when I pointed out that, like, Jeff, you have a very weird hat on right now. He just He didn't even – he was like, what are you talking about? He didn't even understand that anybody would think – that a completely black leather baseball hat was anything to be commented upon. Because <laughs> he spends too much time, his time in the Castro where people are just like, oh, whatever. Well, what I was saying is why aren't you just wearing a leather biker hat? Right. Like, like, you, like what uh, the lead singer of uh, Jewish Priest people. would wear. Or, or yeah, Jews like Rob people. Halford would wear <laughs> yeah. that, the dude from the Village People. It's like – I mean Jeff could pull that off. He is the yeah. type of guy that could pull that off where yeah. – I would think it look. I think it would look equally as funny and fitting as the leather baseball cap. It was just. It was this weird combination of like preppy <laughs> baseball cap and uh, and you know like leather man. Remember he took the baseball cap off though because he wouldn't stop bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> I was mad. You always run that risk, right? And then I was like, "Oh, come on, put it back on. It's funny." And then he wouldn't put it back on. And then I was mad because it it was funny to see him wearing it. Oh yeah, it was it was hilarious. It was funny. You know, later that night, I I ended up I was there with Joe Kelly, who ate nothing because he's vegan. I mean, J- Joe must expect that. That was a little odd. Yeah, well, it's like I was saying to him. Uh, you know, I told him I think on uh, Wednesday night we all went drinking. I was like, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? You should come over to Lance's." And then he was like, yeah, sure. But I figured he would bring, I don't know, tofu quiche or whatever the fuck vegans eat. Like a tofu dish or something. Yeah. But instead, Basically just tofu. That's what they eat because you can't even eat the crust on the quiche. You can't even eat crust because there might be milk in it or something. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, like, he came over. And, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't get to eat that much on, on Thanksgiving. But I could eat, you know, There's lots of potatoes. vegetarian options. There just aren't any vegan options. Yeah, green beans. I mean, everything's made with, with milk. At least, or something, you know, and there, and or so, egg, or eggs. So Joe really, the only thing he could eat was a, I think he had a roll, and some cranberry sauce. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Somebody made him a special side of Brussels sprouts that didn't have feta cheese on it. Oh, okay, yeah, he did have that too. But I mean, really, I think he just came to drink, which there was a lot of alcohol there. I got really, yeah, really. Why drunk. do you think they call it wax giving? Wax giving, yeah, I got. Uh, and then you went over to Sleazy E's afterwards. How was that? Yeah, we went over to, to talk s- about it. Sleazy E's uh, lady was having like a, a bit of a thing, and uh, we went to that. And she actually had she made specific vegan entrees because she knew Joe was coming over. She's a little, little more accommodating than you were. Oh, and, really? Uh, be- because you called me like an hour before you were coming over and said, "Hey, can Joe come?" Yeah, like would you have actually went out of your way anyway? Had you known like two days yeah, in advance, I would have. You I mean, won't... I would have made, like, part of the mashed potatoes I would have just made with just just sort of mashed up potato without butter and milk in it. You know what? Did you try some of my cream corn? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, we ended up going to the city, and we took off, and we met my sister and Jer over at my brother's bar. And uh, Jeffrey was the, – the, uh, the edge was packed on Thanksgiving. They were having a Muppet-themed drag show. 
which uh, we got for the t- we got there for the tail end of it, and uh, it was spectacular as you can imagine. That makes me think you're looking at like Elmo's tail, <laughs> which is gross. Does Elmo even have a tail? I don't know. He has a tail end. I guess. Well, we got we got there for the the conclusion of the Muppet themed drag show. So we we missed. I don't really Muppet. understand. I mean, explain that to me. They're just a bunch of drag queens wearing Muppet outfits. But there's only like one or two female Muppets. There's 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 female Scooter, which only exists in the Muppet Babies universe, which we've talked about, which is weird. And well, then yeah. there's uh, Miss and Piggy. Then there's Miss Piggy. Now, and what about the so chick in the band? Opportun- what about that chick in the band? There's oh, a- yeah, there's her. So were there three drag queens playing those three or what? By the time we got there, I saw a guy kind of in like a female sort of Kermit outfit. Okay. And no, then that there, is perverse. And then there was one like in a like a Gonzo or a Fozzie outfit. There's a Fozzie, and then there was a Gonzo, and then there was like a Kermit. I imagine there so must this have isn't been... really this isn't really drag. This is just cosplay. Yeah, but they're like sexy drag. I mean, they're like you know sexual sexually inspired Muppet themed outfits. But female, like so so Kermit had big tits. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and like uh, you know, and exaggerated feminine features like most drag queens. Was Jeffrey down there like Jim Henson with his fist up their ass? <laughs> that That's why? pretty much what Jeff does at, at that bar. He just right. uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm, "This isn't part of the show. I'm not Jim Henson. This is just what I do." We made it for the end. They were actually hanging out. They, like the performance was done. They were just hanging out, drinking at the bar. But I, I noticed they were wearing funny outfits, so I was bringing it up to my brother. But they, you know what's weird about that bar? It's no longer scary anymore. Well, it's still a bit sketchy because there is just a, a trough in the bathroom. But there's a female female's bathroom now that you can go to if you wanted to. It's gender neutral. And like the bar is no longer dark and dank. It doesn't look like um, you know. You know how it, the the decor. Do you ever you you've been there a couple times, right? Once or twice. Remember how it like the, the it old, looked like I was the there inside in the of a old cave, days, though. Yeah, when it was cavernous. Yeah, it was like this weird. Dank. It looked like you know the inside of a man's colon. Now it's kind of a club. It's happening, and uh, there's uh, you know there's flashing lights. It's really bright in there. There's a much younger crowd. Although you know what's funny is. Uh, Chris, our friend, the listener of the show, he was saying that uh, he goes, "Does Jer get a lot of shark bites?" I'm like, "What do you? What? What are shark bites?" And this is what he's saying when uh, when old men walk by you and kind of pinch your ass. It's called shark bites. No, and, I think that I think that Chris he wasn't asking you; he was telling you that when he goes in there with Jer, Jer gets a lot of shark bites because he looks like a mini bear. He, he's a cub. Yeah, yeah, they consider him a cub. He, you know, we were there, and uh, Jared did not get that many shark bites this time. But before, that's why Jared didn't like going there, is because every two seconds there'd be an old man in a leather outfit, you know, walking by, pinching his ass, and Jared's just like, Jesus, another one. You know, he mm-hmm. felt like a piece of meat. Whereas this time, you know, we were just kind of drinking. It was all right. Jared was on guard, you know. He was watching out for the shark bites, but yeah, I think uh, they uh, pretty much left him alone, so... Yeah, it was it was a good time all in all. Wax giving was a was a success. Do you still have a lot of leftovers? No, I threw it all out. You threw all that. Wait, you threw all the Thanksgiving food out. What about the starving children, yeah. like Africa? No, I was going to say, you know, the t- typical American thing. I just threw it all out. So you're a glutton and you're a wasteful glutton. Yeah, when I said I've been eating all weekend, it was just like other stuff, not even leftovers. <laughs> like what about all the booze? You didn't throw out the booze. No, of course not. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of booze. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving was a good time. I hope everybody out there had a, Thanksgiving, a good Thanksgiving. Also, uh, the Detroit Lions won, which was nice. First time in 10 years. 
Um, then really? they put everybody in a good. Yeah, first time they won a Thanksgiving game in ten years. I didn't realize they were that yeah. bad. <laughs> no, it's been it's been a long time. So uh, it gave you more of a reason to celebrate. Uh, but but that that being said, I was in San Francisco this whole week, so we didn't have a time. We didn't have time to uh, record a whole a whole show, a whole episode. So today uh, it's, we we do we're doing an interview, taking a few phone calls. It's a bit of a, a special holiday version of the show. But I did want to mention one thing. Um, you know, it's funny. Every time we don't do a regular show or we do articles, uh, something there's a big story in the news that, that happens, and we get like I don't know, hundred listeners sending in the same story. And th- that's what happened this week with the lead singer of the Lost Prophets. Um, you heard about this guy? I've never heard of him before. <laughs> so to me, he's not some rock star. He's just a guy who, oh wow, look what he did in this article. You know, their band was actually pretty big. The Lost Prophets, I think uh, it was like an early aughts band. But they, you know, they released five albums. Uh they had Oh, really? Point- they're that old? I thought they were a new band. No, they've been around, but I think it was like the early 2000s when they started. But they, you know, they sold 3.5 million albums. I I just never I've never listened to them, so I don't I don't know the so band. Now they're just like an aging hot topic band that will never do anything again because the guy, you know, the, the, the guy, the pedophile, the lead singer here, Ian Watkins, back in the day, he looked like just a Hot Topic model. Like, he, you know, everything was purchased from Hot Topic. His hair was dyed, you know, and, and, and styled by Hot Topic, you know, uh, designers. But, yeah, you look at him now, he just kind of looks – he looks creepy. He's still trying to keep the alternative look, but now he kind of looks old and sort of creepy. He is creepy. <laughs> he doesn't just look creepy. Like Adam Ant. You know, Adam Ant looks kind of creepy now. Um, this guy, this guy is creepy though. So I mean, it's fitting for him. But anyway, I haven't done, I haven't done a lot of adamant Google image searches recently, so I'm not sure what he looks like. Go go take a look at that guy. He's he's pretty creepy. <laughs> Surprised he isn't a pedophile yet. Huh? Um, yeah, who knows? Seems to be a trend over there. It it, it definitely is a trend. Um, so we got we had like I don't know probably 50 people sending this story from the UK because it's a big deal over there. Uh, this one guy, elbow deep, Matt. Said, I'm a long-time listener, but this is the first thing I've ever sent in or anything. I have shit stories for you, and my missus keeps telling me to ring in. I like how his missus is like, you got to call in with your shit stories. You got to tell them your shit stories. (laughs) He goes, I want to tell, you know, I want to do it, but I keep forgetting. We'll do it soon, I promise. But then he sent in this Shut up. My mobile doesn't have minutes on it. Uh, he says this story is pretty big over here in the UK. Lead singer of the Lost Prophets turns out he is one sick fucker. He's had some nice-looking girlfriends in the past as well. But you know what he did? He used his celebrity to groom these women to give up their children to him. That, that, that's the twisted part about this guy. Um, previously, d- he denied the allegations, but now uh, the 36-year-old has actually uh, confessed, pled guilty to attempted rape, um, of a one-year-old child, three counts of sexual assault involving children under five. And uh, I don't understand how you plead guilty to that type of thing. Even if you did it, like you just, I guess you're trying to get a reduced sentence, but like there's no coming back from that. Well, right? I, yeah, I don't think his band's going to be like, hey, well, you know, when you get out of prison, just, you know, come back into the band. We'll keep your, yeah. your, your spot open. Or you can't open. be like, you know, I, I, did, I, w- I did my time, but I was railroaded, and there were, there were you know, uh, subtleties to the case that people, general public don't understand. And, you know, it was pictures on my computer, but I didn't, I didn't put them there. I think they were placed better by a hacker. But he's just basically, oh, yeah, yeah, I tried to rape a one-year-old. 
Can you take a couple of years off my sentence, please? He had multiple charges, including like images of him that they found on his phone involving a sex act on an animal. This guy was not only fucking babies, he was fucking like puppies. <laughs> baby, baby animal? Yeah, no, this guy was fucking everything. Everything baby you're not allowed to fuck, this guy was fucking. You know, basically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the evidence was just overwhelming. His computer, laptops, mobile phones, people, you know, uh, women coming forward and saying, yeah, well, he, you know, he tried to rape my child. So I think in the end, I think he was like, you know what? We don't have much of a the, – the Chewbacca defense isn't going to work here. So, What's uh, the Chewbacca defense? <laughs> Chewbacca was a Wookiee. <laughs> remember that from South Park? You remember that? Not really. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think this guy was trying to plead to a lesser charge, but – I mean, what can they really do to this guy? Uh, they had texts. One woman was saying, uh, he sent this woman a text saying, if you belong to me, so does your baby. And then he like was sending notes saying, I want to teach these babies how to take drugs. Like he was going to give these babies like GBH. Shocking. Yeah, no, this this guy is, uh, it's, it's probably a good thing that this guy is uh, now imprisoned. Uh, was this rest- going on when they were popular or has this been just been now since he's in his declining years? Well, I mean, he's like only like thirty six. He's not. Yeah, but for a rocker, that's your decline years, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially if you're that type of a rock band that's totally designed to appeal to young girls. I don't think this was going on during the halcyon days of the Lost Prophets. But what's funny about it is that his bandmates are, you know, taking uh, taking pains to point out that we had no idea this was going on. He's like, clearly, we did not know about this. Uh, we're really ashamed yeah. to even have them in the band in the first place. And, uh, yeah, he's like, but we didn't. I mean, they've, they've said like several times in a couple stories I read, like three times they reiterated, we had no idea. Are we clear on this? No idea. <laughs> so I, just, I think they want to be, you know, make sure that they're not accessories. Yeah. I mean, think of all the pains I'm, I would have to go through if they found out that you were like having sex with three-year-olds. Yeah, think about that because then uh, you know, for me. you'd be doing this podcast. But, you know, in the end, about like, the children that were abused by you. Think about what I'd have to go through. <laughs> but you're right, though. It, this is a trend going on in the UK. Uh, we had, uh, what, Gary Glitter, uh, Jimmy Saville, Ian Watkins, Peter Townsend. Uh, he That's had- a blast from the past. I think P- Peter Townsend was one who was just like, you know, I had some porno on my computer and I didn't know she was under 18 and these photos, but it happened to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think he was actually ever convicted. Yeah, I don't of anything, but it wasn't like he was. It was just child porn, and it wasn't even clear whether it was intentionally that he had the child porn. I don't know. I'm not excusing child porn, but compared to raping one year old babies, well, it made me rethink what the true meaning of Tommy, the pinball wizard, was all about. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he was never convicted. He wasn't like raping one year old babies and puppies and kittens and stuff like that. So yeah, he. I think he. Uh, I think after a while, everyone kind of forgot about it and it died down. But I'm wondering, who's next? Who's the next limey celebrity to be busted for pedophilia? I'm putting my money on Graham Norton because look at that guy. He looks like a pedophile. I don't really. I don't think Graham Norton's a generally famous guy because I don't really know who he is. You know, he does a show. He, he interviews huge people. He interviews. Oh, does uh, he? Yeah, he interviewed like Oprah recently or something. What if somebody from the royal family did something like this? Would it just be covered up? I think it'd be covered up like, uh, did you ever see the, um, uh, was the movie about Jack the Ripper from hell? Uh-huh. They, they kind of, they're, I think the, uh, what they're trying to say in that movie is that Jack the Ripper might've been a member of the Royal family, but. Oh, right. It kind of, you know, been a that. huge cover up. I guarantee that's what would happen if there's, if like, you know, uh, the ginger 
prince was uh, sitting there raping babies. Harry. Yeah, Harry. I think it would be completely covered up. We'd probably never know about it. Or then they'd, or then they'd find somebody the else that looked like looks Harry. looks more like a pedophile, though, right? Well, you're just saying that because he's losing his hair. <laughs> Mainly, that's why. <laughs> he has a very creepy smile that's always plastered on his face because he's constantly being photographed with his hot wife. I saw this disturbing video of, uh, what's his name, Prince William? Is yes. William? I saw Prince William, Taylor Swift, and John Bon Jovi doing Living on a Prayer. I see? saw that. Where did I see that? I, I don't know I where I saw it. I haze at a bar and I saw that. I don't know where I saw it, but I watched the whole thing and it just made me nauseous. I mean, all, I don't all like, three I don't like John Bon Jovi's current hair is very weird to me. I hate John Bon Jovi's face. <laughs> he does have a very big head and large features and then he has that big hair and it's like, what are you, a lollipop? And I don't know what they did with his teeth, but they're like blinding white. Like they're so white that it's yeah. blinding. Well, all, all celebrities do that now. Yeah, but he went overboard with it. They're, like, they're almost like fluorescent. Um, what, how would you feel if Russell Brand, it came out that he had been like, I don't know, raping six-year-olds? I, I mean, I wouldn't be happy. But you, can't, no, you, can't but just, you can't just say like, oh, it's the people that you don't like. Oh, yeah, he must be a pedophile because that doesn't really. Yeah, and, but and okay. Russell Brand's famous for getting all kinds of like. Russell Brand's the guy who will fuck them right as they turn eighteen, right? But, but I'm just saying, who would you be, you know, more bothered by if like Simon Pegg was a pedophile or Russell Brand? That would be. Dis- I like Simon Pegg, so that would be disturbing if he turned out to be a pedophile. You, you I couldn't... wouldn't be. It wouldn't bother me that uh, other than like that actual children were harmed, which would really bothers me a lot. <laughs> uh, so wait, you would do like uh, you would you know sit there and grin and be like, ha, thought so. If it came out that Russell Brand was a pedo? I guess I would, but I, I don't have any reason to believe he is a pedo. <laughs> I don't think so either. Whereas, like, Alan Moore, who I also really like, you know, him and his girlfriend, longtime girlfriend, I think, I don't think they're married, but uh, they wrote, like, a illustrated book all about underage sex. I, I want to check this out. You're telling me about this yeah, uh, off called air, Lost but... Girls. I mean, he fully acknowledges. He's like, you know, this is a work of fantasy and art, and it's pornographic, and uh, you know, it's about Wendy and Dorothy and what's the other, you know, Alice. But but I mean, it's about like fictional characters from fairy tales losing right. their virginity. And I think they're kind of losing their virginity to like fantastical, mythical creatures. So who's to say whether that's statutory rape or not? You know, yeah, what's going on with Alan Moore these days? So Alan Moore wrote He's the Watchmen people, but uh, it, but if you look at him, he looks like he some also kind of, wrote from hell. Yeah, he wrote from hell, but he, he looks like some weird bearded recluse. I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. Well, he's a mi- he's a magician. Is he? Yeah, black he, magic man. He looks like a He'll wizard. They'll put a I curse didn't... on you, so you better watch out. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bite my tongue here. He lives in like Northampton or something like that. Uh, does he live in like a cabin in the middle of the woods or something like a hobbit? No, hole? he lives in Northampton. Oh, okay. So he actually has like a mansion. I think his girlfriend's American too. Huh. So the yeah. the book's called Lost Girls. Yeah. Is it? It's a graphic novel, though, right? So do they actually show like um, I don't know, vagina, graphic titties? <laughs> yeah, I believe they do, and c- lots of cocks too. So watch out for that. I think I think the girlfriend illustrated it and he wrote it because she's like a she's a comic artist. So is it like hentai? With, I don't uh, know. I haven't seen the book. I've only heard about it. So you should buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> there don't you go. People. In a brown paper wrapper. The holidays are coming up. You know what Wackerly wants? Yeah. 
<laughs> a book about pedos. Anyway, I didn't want to skip over the Lost Profit story. Yes, we did see it. Yes, I received it from like 70 people, and I appreciate it. So I thought we'd mention it here on the show. But this week, we're not doing stories. We're, we're, we're doing an interview. And we're doing an interview with someone who's quite interesting. Uh, this guy's named Daryl Davis. Uh, Daryl Davis is an award-winning musician. He's played with uh, Chuck Berry, Aretha Franklin. Um, he actually played with Bill Clinton, like backup for Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton was playing the saxophone on uh, was it Arsenio Hall's show? <laughs> Don't remind me of yeah, those days. But anyway, yeah, th- this guy has played with many famous musicians, and uh, and he's also the author of a book called "Clandestine Relationships: A Black Man's Honesty in the Ku Klux Klan." This guy befriended. Uh, members like sev- various ranking members of the Ku Klux Klan befriended them and got them to relinquish their robes to him. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so he has a collection of like thirty robes. They, they knew he was black when he was befriending them, right? You know, that's that's what was, was an interesting part about it. He would set up interviews because he wanted to do like he'd been doing research for this book. I think the book came out in ninety seven. But he'd been doing research through like the late eighties, early nineties. He would set up interviews. With, like, the Grand Dragon of the chapter in Missouri. And then he would show up and he'd just be black. You know, and they, they didn't Surprise. know he was, they didn't know a black man was going to come up and, and interview them when they're meeting in a hotel. And, they, you know, he said, you know, and uh, we'll get to this in the interview. You can listen to it. But I, I asked him, I was just like, so, you know, how many times did someone try to kill you, you know, or lynch you or something? Weren't you concerned about that? And, you know, believe it or not, I mean, this guy, this guy has balls. Um, brass balls. Uh, he he was just like, yeah, you know, it's concerned for my safety. But a couple times I got in some scuffles. But you know, for the most part, people were willing to sit down and talk with me. So yeah, hmm. he interviewed um, quite a few members of the Ku Klux Klan, and I uh, got them to relinquish their robes. The book is called uh, "Clandestine Relationships." You can get it on Amazon. You should definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, let me. Uh, I'll play this interview. You know what I forgot to ask him about, and I should have. Is remember that Dave Chappelle skit? About the blind KKK member who was actually black, and he didn't realize it. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I, you know, I should have asked him about that if he if he saw that and could relate to it. But uh, I forgot about it. It's been a while since I've seen that show. But anyway, um, we're gonna put, we're gonna play that interview here with uh, Daryl Davis. Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor. AdamandEve.com. Ah, the holidays. It's snowing outside, the fire's crackling, and there's a big jar of unused lube on your nightstand. And that can only mean one thing. It's December. Yes, that time of year that we celebrate Christ's alleged birth with the purchase of a shiny brand new dildo at AdamEve.com. And if you use coupon code DIDDLE on your order, you'll get 50% off your first purchase, three free adult DVDs, and a free gift. Show your loved ones you still care and cram a brand new dildo down their holiday road. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, AdamandEve.com, and making a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E, like priests do to altar boys. Hallelujah. Hello. Hi, Daryl. This is D. Simon calling from Sick and Wrong. How are you? Hey, D. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for talking with me this morning. No problem. Um, so, Daryl, I got to say, Ratha Bad, I'm, I'm fascinated by your life. Um, I have not yet picked up your book, but I'm going, planning to do that this week. Okay. Um, you are a Grammy Award winning musician, and you're an author of uh, the book Clandestine Relationships A Black Man's Odyssey in the Ku Klux Klan. And I got to say, I, I can't think of two more disparate career paths. 
So well, one <laughs> one correction there. I've played on Grammy award-winning albums and with groups. I don't have the actual Grammy myself. The artist got it. Okay, well that that's pretty close though. I gotta say. Um, <laughs> so so how did that happen, uh, Daryl? How'd you go from from being a professional musician to interviewing and befriending the Imperial Wizard of the uh, Ku Klux Klan? Well, you know, um, I, you know, music is still my full-time occupation, and I, I do this as often as I can, you know, with the Klan. Um, but uh, in 1983, um, I joined a country western band. Um, country music had made a big resurgence in this country. Uh, there had been a movie out called Urban Cowboy. And um, you know, with uh, John Travolta. Yeah, exactly. You know, and mechanical bull and all the line dancing and stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine too many uh, black guys playing in country bands. <laughs> Even now, I, I can't imagine too many black guys playing in country bands. That's exactly, exactly. You know, so I was a novelty, and people would come out, you know, and see me. Um, pay money to for it even. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I was the only black guy in the band, and this was a real country band, not 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 some top forty band that you know that that switched a over to pop country. country. Yeah, yeah. This was this was the real deal, and um, uh, it was half country, half bluegrass actually. And um, anyway, so you know we played in a lot of honky tonks and things like that, and uh, we played in this one place up in Frederick, Maryland. And it was an all-white uh, lounge as a truck stop uh, there. So all these truckers would go there and stuff. And um, black people were not welcome in there, even though, you know, uh, they, you know, they were permitted to come in. They didn't because you know, they were not welcome. And here I was in this place. And um, on the break uh, between sets, I was uh, coming off the stage and going to go sit down at a, at a table with some of the band guys. And this white gentleman came up, to, you know, and approached me. And uh, he was probably in his mid forties, and he says to me, "I really enjoy your all's music." And I, sh I thanked him, shook his hand, and then he says, "You know, um, I've seen this here band before, but I ain't never seen you before. Where'd you come from?" And I told him, "You know, I, I just joined the band. You know, within, within the last month and a half, two months." Mm. And he says, "Man, I really, I really like your piano playing. This is the first time I ever heard a black man." play piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> and I was just kind of, you know, taken aback. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. You know, you know has has he has he never heard of uh Little Richard or Fast Domino, you know? Yeah, you know? I mean there's like there's been so <laughs> many black musicians I mean at that point. <laughs> yeah. And um Ray and Charles. so naively I said, "Well, where do you think Jerry Lee Lewis learned how to play?" <laughs> exactly. And he says, yeah, you know, it just, it just just you know rolled off my tongue. I, mean, I wasn't trying to be facetious, but um, uh, you know, I was just not uh, naive. And um, I, uh, he said, "Well, what are you talking about?" And I said, "Well, he learned from the same people I learned from: black blues and boogie woogie piano players. That's where that rock and roll rockabilly style came from." Oh no 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 no! Jerry Lee invented that. I said, "No, he didn't." Yeah. And I went on to tell the guy, you know, I know Jerry Lee Lewis personally. He's a good friend of mine. He's told me himself where he learned how to play. Well, the guy didn't buy it. And he didn't believe that I knew Jerry Lee. He didn't believe that Jerry Lee learned anything from black people. I guess he, he believed he probably believed that Elvis invented rock and roll and all that. Yeah, I was about to and, say um, Elvis learned from the same source. Of course, you know, and, and Chuck Berry came later. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, the guy, you know, who was fascinated with me, and he wanted to buy me a drink. And I don't drink, but I went back to his table and had a cranberry juice with him and his buddy. And in the course of our conversation, he mentions that this was the first time you know, I was 25 years old in 83, and he was probably in his mid to late 40s, like I, say, like I said. And he, he happens to mention, just, you know, off the cuff, 
that this was the first time he ever sat down and had a drink with a black man. Wow. And, you know, again, I'm curious. Uh, nothing is dawning on me because, I mean, the guy is, is, you know, is treating me like a king. Um, from being not thinking, a very you know, polite man. Huh? He's being very polite. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, 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 and very genuine. Very friendly. I mean, he just didn't believe me about the Jerry Lee thing. But um, he's being very friendly and, and very you know, responsive uh, to, to my piano playing. And so I said, well, why is that? And he didn't answer me. He's kind of like stared down at the tabletop. And I asked him again. And his buddy elbowed him and said, go on, tell him, tell him. And the guy looks back at me and says, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. Now, that, and, now that, what, did, what went through your face? Like, did your eyes just open yeah, up? No, wide, not like, at all. I, I started you weren't shocked? I started, you started laughing. laughing. <laughs> because I, uh, it was a genuine laugh because I didn't believe the guy. Because, you know, you've got to understand, I have just about, and I'm not kidding you, I'm not exaggerating, I have just about every book published on the Ku Klux Klan. And in none of my books does it talk about how a Klansman will come up and embrace a black guy, I mean, literally put his arm around him and praise his piano playing and want to hang out and buy him a drink. It's more like, you know, you want to put a rope around his neck kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, or so, burning cross or something. Right. So, you know, this guy was not fitting that stereotype. You know, here he is, you know, putting his arm around my shoulder and telling me how much he enjoyed my piano playing and sounds just like Jerry Lee Lewis to him and blah, 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 and wants to buy me a drink and sit at his table. You know, this, it's, not, it's not the action of a Klansman. It's, it's very atypical for Klansman behavior. Exactly. Yeah. At least, you know, from what we know, you know, through the media or through books or whatever. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, the first thing that occurs to me is, okay, this guy probably thought I was jerking him around about Jerry Lee Lewis, so he's going to jerk me around about the Klan. You know, that, that's, that's how I was, I was justifying it in my head. And so I was genuinely laughing. And he went inside his pocket, put out his wallet, flipped through it, put out a card, and handed it to me. And it was his Klan membership card. Do that? I didn't I, even know they had Klan cards. Oh, yes. Oh. And um, I recognized the, the Klan insignia, which is a red circle with a white cross and a red blood drop in the center. And... Um, there was a night rider, this Klansman in his robe and hood on horseback on the card and some other stuff. And I, I recognized it as being genuine. And, um, you know, I stopped laughing at that point. <laughs> yeah. This thing was for real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would probably get up and leave. I think that's what well, most, guys, most people would have done at that point. Right. Well, you know, I, I felt like I was in the twilight zone because nothing was making sense. How am I at this table with this bona fide Klansman? You know, something is just a miss here. Anyway, um, you know, we talked about the Klan and some other things, um, but the guy uh, gave me his um, his phone number, and he, he asked me to call him anytime I was to return to this bar with this band because he wanted to bring some of his buddies, you know, his Klan buddies, of course, um, to see this, this black guy. He probably didn't, didn't tell them I was a black guy. probably called, called me by another name, you know, uh, play piano like Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, I said, okay, I'll call you. And we were on a rotation there like every six weeks, you know, with other bands. We were there for a whole weekend, Friday and Saturday night. And uh, I would call the guy like on a Wednesday or something, Wednesday or Thursday, and say, hey, man, you know, we're going to be at the Silver Dollar Lounge. Come on out. And he'd show up. He'd bring some clans, clansmen and clanswomen with him. Um, and they would come and watch me play. 
and get out there and dance to our music. You know, they, they came in, you know, regular clothes, not, not their rubbers. Yeah, rubbers. okay, they weren't wearing hoods. Right. right. And, um, but, you know, but, you know, you know, you knew who they were. You know, he would introduce me. Some of them, you know, wouldn't meet me. Others didn't want to meet me. You know, they just kind of like hung in the back and watched, you know, from afar. Um, but, you know, I knew who they were just, just by their actions. And um, this went on until about the end of 83, at which time I, I quit that band. And uh, I went back to playing rock and roll and blues and whatever else you know, was going on in '84, uh, disco, whatever. But did, um, did did you have like a connection with this man? Like, did you speak to him outside of the uh, outside of playing no, music? I, I, okay. At that time, I only uh, would would see him and hang with him when I was uh, going up there. Okay. You know, uh, you know, for for work purposes, it wasn't like I had a day off and decided to go to Frederick and hang out with the Clan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I do that now. <laughs> no, not, not back then. <laughs> Um, so, uh, anyway, um, you know, you know, so we had a friendship within the context of, of my job. Um, and I'd call him every six weeks and he'd show up. Um, so, so then, uh, like, you know, when I quit the band, you know, I really had no reason to, to remain in contact with him. I mean, you know, what, what, what am I gonna do with this Klansman? Yeah. And then, um, about, oh, 1991 or so. Um, you know, I was thinking about all these crazy experiences I, I'd had from the Cub Scouts and Matt Cole and and many other ones, you know, that I haven't you know, talked about uh, t- today. But um, I decided, you know what? Um, this guy sat down and talked to me. Maybe some other Klan people around the country will sit down and talk to me. I want to interview Klan members and leaders up north, right here in Maryland, down south, Midwest, West Coast, etc. And I'm going to start here in Maryland where I live. I'm going to try to find that guy, call him up, and see if he won't hook me up with the uh, with the Grand Dragon, the state leader of, of the Klan. I'll, I'll interview him and I'll write I'll write an article. So I, I started out with, off with the intention of writing an article, maybe for like Reader's Digest or something like that. Mm. And um, uh, I had to dig out this guy's number because you know I hadn't seen the guy since you know eighty. It's been almost ten years. Yeah. Yeah, and um, well, about yeah, about eight eight nine years, and. Um, uh, I found the number. I called it, and it had been disconnected. So it took me another two weeks to track him down. Turns out he had moved, and he didn't have a phone, but he had an address. I got the address, and uh, I went by his apartment unannounced. Wow. I knocked on the door. I got to say, you you, uh, you have, as the Jews would say, chutzpah. I can't imagine too many people that would go up to a Klansman's like, porch, especially being a black guy. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, people ask me all the time, Daryl, do you think, you know, if you hadn't done all that traveling and you'd grown up here that you would have done this? And, and I've, I've had to think about it, and the answer is probably no. I, yeah. I would not have done it. I would like to think that I still have the same attitude. Um, but if I had grown up here and experienced, you know, the racism that people who, who, who experience who live here their whole life, I probably would, would, would have stayed as far away from the clan as possible. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, I could... but having having grown up with so many different cultures and seen so many different things all over the world, I just view the clan as just another culture. You know? Yeah, um, I think you're able to step back and look at yeah, it that exactly, way. Exactly. So anyway, I knock on the on the dude's door, and it's about seven thirty, you know, in the evening, and he opens the door, and he goes, "Daryl, you know what? What are you doing here?" And he steps out into the hallway. Was he wearing a hood? Huh? No, no. <laughs> he was wearing an undershirt or something, and um, he he uh, you know looks up and down the hallway, 
yeah, I guess he's looking to see if I brought anybody with me. Well, when he came out of his apartment, I stepped in. And so he turns around, he comes back in. He goes, what's going on, man? Are you still playing? What's going on? I said, yeah, 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 I'm still playing. But listen, I need to talk to you about the Klan. He says, the Klan? I said, yeah. And I, he says, well, you know, I, I left the Klan you know, a few months back. And he goes on to tell me this long dissertation as to why he left the Klan. And I said, well, where's all your Klan stuff? And he says, what do you mean my clan stuff, my robe and hood? I said, yeah. And he says, well, they came and got it. I said, what do you mean they came and got it? You don't, don't you own your robe and hood? And he proceeds to tell me, which I later found out to be true from other clan people, um, you know, when you join the clan, you know, you pay X amount of dollars uh, to purchase your, 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 you know, your regalia. And uh, if you cannot afford it at that particular time, uh, you can still take it. But every um, month or quarter or whatever, you put a little extra money in with your dues. To, to pay okay. off the Robin Hood. I was wondering uh, about that. If they had like a store where you could buy that, you know, they they uh, the yeah, outfit. they have they have things like that. Um, but you know, there is no Clan Central. Some Clan <laughs> groups, you know, uh, have their clan wives mart? make them. Huh? Yeah. No Clan Mart. Yeah, Clan yeah. Mart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, uh, he had not paid off his Robin Hood in its entirety, and so they, you know, they they repoed it. And um, <laughs> but he said, <laughs> yeah. And so they, they uh, he said that that when they came to get it, he couldn't find the mask that you know that goes under the hood to cover the face. Uh, it's you know it's a removable mask. It snaps on around the uh, the perimeter of. Wait, the, so you uh, have a mask on. You got a hood on top of the mask. Uh, okay, the, the the hood the hood is that is that pointy thing on your head, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so right along your forehead area of the hood, there are like three little snaps and some Velcro, and you can snap on this mask that drops down and covers your face and has eye holes. So the mask, the mask is removable. Okay, just I didn't the, know that. All right, yeah. and then the hood's just the pointy thing. So it's not just a big pillowcase. Right, exactly. Okay. Uh, it, it used to be back, you know, way back in 1865 and something like that. But no, you know, modernized. Come on, man, the plans evolved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got these, these hip new uniforms here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, he said that, that uh, he could not find the mask uh, when they came to get the, the uh, regalia, and he had since found that he had to return it. And I asked him, you know, to, to show it to me. So he went to his bedroom and returned and handed it to me. And I'm looking at it, and I said, um, listen, man, you know, do you know uh, Roger Kelly? He goes, yeah, I know Roger. You know, Roger was my grand dragon. So now let me explain to you how the hierarchy of the Yeah, I was about works. to ask you. You got Grand Dragons. You got Imperial Wizards. Do you right. have like, uh, I don't know, okay. Circus Here's Elves? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Today, there is no such thing as the Ku Klux Klan. There, there used to be, okay? But today, there are many Ku Klux Klans, plural. What has happened is, you know, they have splintered off of the original, and then they splinter off of each other. So you have all these different clan groups all over the country, and so they're they're not centralized. There is no one main you know one main group, and these are just so there's no national group. It's just uh, individual organizations. Exactly. Okay, and they all use the name Ku Klux Klan. Now they all have the same bylaws, the same secret password, uh, passwords, the same secret handshake. They use the same colors on their robe that designate their ranks and things like that. that wait, what's their handshake all about? Is it like a high five? What, what is this? No, um, you put three – when you shake someone's hand, you, put, uh, you extend your three fingers into, into their palm, and then you turn their wrist three times. Oh, okay. Okay, that means K, K, K. 
and they return that back to you. Okay, I see. I see what you're doing there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, all clan groups, you know, regardless of, of, of uh, which affiliation they are, they all use those same things. So, um, uh, anyway, um, uh, if you have a chapter of your particular clan, for example, you might have the Dixie Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, the, uh, the, the Los Angeles Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, the Invincible Empire Knights, et cetera, et cetera. These are all autonomous clan groups. And if you see them together in public, they will hold a united front. But behind closed doors, they are rivals with each other. I mean, okay. what are they competing against, though? I mean, it's just, aren't, don't they all have the same common goal of just, you know, racial yeah, they purification? Yeah, all have the same common goal, but you've got to understand, you know, when you hate others, you basically hate yourself. So yes. each one is vying for, for, for being the real clan group, the one that everybody is supposed to respect. And, and, and what has happened over the years is somebody gets into a position of leadership, and so the members, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you know, really make money being a clan leader. You get a small stipend of the dues, but you have to have a regular job. You know, it's like Boy Scout leader. You know, you don't, you don't make money being a Boy Scout leader. Yeah. Um, you, you have a regular job. So what happens is this. You know, you got some third grade educated uh, guy who pumps gas at the gas station, and, and and he's he's a vehement racist. He works his way up through the ranks. From, from, you know, rank and file all the way to Grand Dragon, all the way to Imperial Wizard or whatever. And, uh, and so then he sees all this money coming in from dues, and he begins to pocket some. You know, he, he was driving a 20-year-old beat-up Chevrolet, yeah. and all of a sudden he's driving a Cadillac. So members get pissed, and they, and they break away and form their own clan group. So they splinter. Or uh, some members don't want to, to participate in violence. You no, know, they believe in segregation. They don't want, you know, black, black kids in school with their little white kids. Uh, but they don't want to go and, and bomb someone's church or burn their house down. So they're not into the violence. And this particular group might be too violent. So they'll, they'll leave that group and go form another clan group uh, that, that uh, tries to institutionalize their racism by having their members run for, uh, for, uh, for office or to, for to office, do county commissioner, service. sheriff, school board, et cetera, mm. you know, things like that. Um, other, others go, go join one of those, you know, uh, easygoing clan groups, and there's not enough action for them. You know, they, they want to get out and terrorize. I mean, are, are so, they, is the clan still that active? Like, are they still putting burning crosses? Are the clan is more active now than it, than it has been in 20 years. They are growing exponentially uh, for, for several reasons. Mainly, the main two reasons are, A, we got a black president. The second reason is yeah, they must not have been too happy about that. No, they're not happy at all. <laughs> you know, I deal with a, with a lot of neo Nazis too, and what, what I keep hearing from the neo Nazis and the Klan is, I don't want my grandkids to be brown. All right, so you know, um, I'm 55 years old. When I was, you know, in elementary school, let's say in, in Belmont or whatever, the population of blacks in this country was 12 percent. Mm. But Hispanics were around two percent. Native Americans, one point nine percent. Whites were, you know, eighty four, eighty six percent. And uh, so the biggest nemesis for for um, white supremacist like minded people were black people, of course, at twelve percent. Today, well, the largest Native race. Americans are still one point nine. Mm. Black people are still twelve percent in this country. Hispanics are now 13% in this country. They have surpassed uh, blacks. 
uh, you know, as being the, uh, the the greatest minority. And so uh, the, the population of whites are coming down. And so the Klan-minded people, they see this. Wait a minute, hold up, 12% black, 13% Hispanic. You know, that's 25% non-white right there. You know, yeah. And they're, they're seeing, you know, their numbers come down and the numbers of non-whites go up. And they know within the next uh, 30, 40 years, it's going to be half and half in this country. Where, where for the you know for for the last four hundred years, it's, it's been a white majority. A white majority, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, and then you know, at, you know, sixty years from now, whites are going to be in a, a minority here, and they're not they're not very happy with that. So, <laughs> so they they are recruiting like wildfire right now, and um, you know when when the Klan says illegal, you know, they, they try to attract people by attaching themselves to a legitimate issue, you know, whatever is a, is a legitimate concern in the country, for example, illegal immigration. Um, so they, they say, hey, you know, come join us. You know, you know we, we're against illegal immigration also. You know, you know we don't want uh, any, any non-Americans coming here illegally. If, if, they, if they go through the proper channels, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you know we, we, we can deal with that. But, you know, but help us, you know, you know keep, keep illegals out. So they're trying to attach themselves as a, as a legitimate reason to join, because they're also concerned about the, the same concerns so, everybody else is. So they're not but, going out saying, like, hey, let's all get together and throw a noose around a tree and, and, and lynch some black people. I think now they're trying to say, that, okay, we're a legitimate organization against right, an issue. Right, uh, but every now and then you get some of that stuff going on, just like – you remember they dragged the guy behind the pickup truck in Texas a few years oh, ago. The, the, was that that what that was a clan? Uh, those guys a, were clan members. Clan, yes. Oh, okay, I, I, I didn't realize that. Not in Jasper, Texas. I remember exactly. That. Yeah. So, James so Bird did, was did, his name. Did you attend any rallies with these people? Yes, I did. I attended plenty of rallies. Well, what I goes on at a KKK I rally? I attended one a couple months ago. <laughs> what, what, what goes on at a KKK rally, and how do they react to you? Well, depends. I mean, I hear all the you know, vehement rhetoric and stuff. Um, what goes on, they, they give speeches. Um, they promise to uphold uh, white womanhood and white virtues and uh, maintain white supremacy and, uh, and, separ and separatism. And they, they burn this, uh, they light this 20-foot, uh, 30-foot cross that is uh, wrapped in burlap, which has been soaked in what they call Klan cologne, which is actually um, diesel fuel. Um, or a kerosene, so, so, so the flame stays lit for a long time, and then they parade around the cross with their torches. Are they wearing um, their costumes? Yeah, yeah, in their oh, robes okay. and hoods, and um, and you know they they're doing this for God, for race, for country, and for white womanhood. And so what are what are you doing all this time? Are you just I kind just of in the back, watch. just like well, I'm just going to chill over here. You guys go about it with your hoods. Now, if if the um, if the rally is held on public property, um, you can't stop the public from coming. Okay, so anybody can come, but but usually you can't get too close to them because they have police protection. You know, they have the right to freedom of assembly just like anybody else, and they have the right to freedom of speech. Even if we don't like what they're saying, they still have the right to say it. So, you know, a lot of protesters will come with bricks and chains and baseball bats, and you know, they, you know they're ready to attack. Um, so in order to avoid any kind of riot, the police, you know, uh, per, you know, put a perimeter around the meeting. So outsiders who are not Klan members can't come in unless the Klan invites them in to this perimeter. 
Um, so like, like See, a reporter, like, or you know, or in my case, you know, I'm working on a book, so I have permission from you know the you leaders. Have, you have more way. access. It seems like the yeah. uh, the protesters are almost more intolerant than the Klan, or like equally uh, intolerant. In, in, in many cases, yes. A lot of uh, most of the peaceful protesters would not attend the rally. They go and have a rally of their own on the other side of town on the same day, and invite and invite people to come and 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 you know try to raise peace consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of going, instead of going to to the to the Klan rally, they advocate for ignoring the Klan. I don't advocate for ignoring the Klan. Uh, the Klan is still here because they've been ignored for so long. But uh, if the, if the rally is on private property, uh, unless you're a Klan member, you must be invited. And of course, you know, I get invited every now and then. Uh, there are other times when I, you know, they would not they would you know, they would not allow me in. So but, ha- um, have you been scared? I mean, I mean, you're putting yourself in a dangerous situation, I mean, potentially. I've been, in, I've been in situations where I've had to fight people, and I've put somebody in the hospital, put somebody in jail and things like that. Um, Were you attacked? And, like, what, what happened here? Uh, one guy pulled a knife on me. One guy tried to, tried to punch me and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we had to get into it. Uh, fortunately, I prevailed. But um, uh, that hasn't happened very often, fortunately. Um, you know, a lot of them, you know, are, uh, are, are, are cordial talking to me. Um, and, uh, you know, we can sit down and talk and things like that. Um, but back to the hierarchy, when, when you, um, when you have a chapter of your particular clan group from your state in another state or in multiple states, you can then consider yourself to be uh, a national clan group. Um, and so therefore you must have a national leader who oversees all the states in which you have. Uh, your clan, different your, your chapters. Clan yeah, so like we call our national leader the president. They call theirs the imperial wizard. Anybody who is prefixed with the word imperial means he's a national officer. So like an imperial wizard is a president, an imperial caliph is like a vice president. And then within, um, you know, and then you have the imperial secretary, the imperial this, that, and the other. Um, then within the state, you have to have a state leader. The state leader reports to the wizard. So we call mm-hmm. our state leader, you know, the governor. They call theirs the Grand Dragon. Anybody grand is on the state level. So a Grand Dragon governor, a Grand Claylift would be like a lieutenant governor. Within the state, you have counties, and the county leader um, is known as the uh, Great Titan. So anybody great is on the county level. You got the Titan, the Dragons, and the Wizards. Yeah, and then and then you have the local, you know, uh, district. Uh, we we call those clav- or they call them claverns. We call them districts. Uh, like a district leader might be like a mayor, a councilman, an alderman. Uh, they call that person the exalted cyclops. Cyclops. So, yeah. See, the clan. Um, well, they they got all their. They're, the original, they're in the mythology. Well, no, 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 not mythology, but the Scottish Rite, the, the Masons. Oh, okay, so the Masons. Yeah. So see, your your original clansmen from 1865 at the end of, at the end of the Civil War when the clan was first formed. Um, these all were of Irish and Scottish descent. And now that's not to say that all Masons are Klansmen, okay, just because they're not. Um, but they borrowed a lot of the secrecy and the Grand Poobah type names and all those mystical names, um, you know, from the Masons and applied them to their own organizations. You know, they just changed the names slightly. But that's where, that's where all that stuff comes from. So their robes, like the robe or the hood of a Grand a uh, dragon will differ from the road, robe and a hood of that of an imperial wizard. Only in color, okay? You have your choice of material. You can either get cotton or you can get satin, all right? For example, the grand, the grand uh, level is green, 
All right, so a grand dragon will either wear a white cotton robe with a green cape, a green sash, and green stripes on his sleeves, indicating that he is the grand dragon, or he can wear a full green satin robe. There's no difference in rank. It's just you know a preference, personal preference for material. If you want satin or do you want uh, cotton? So, how many robes do you own, Daryl? Because I've read that uh, that you, you got, befriend a lot of these uh, clan members, and yeah. then do do you convince them to relinquish their robes and rescind their racist views? No, I, I I never set out to convert them. I just set out to have conversations with them and try to gather information on you know how can you hate me when you know when you, when you don't even know me. Yeah. And over time, some of them end up quitting, and and they're going and they're going to get rid of their stuff. I said, well, no, 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 give it to me. Um, I've got a dozen or so of those things, but I've, I, I've been responsible for probably, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25, 26 members quitting for all over the country That's impressive. as a result of some leaders quitting the Klan here in Maryland. Um, well over 200 members have quit indirectly because of me, because their leader became a friend of mine. And when he quit, the Klan fell apart. What's the highest-ranking member you've ever uh, spoken to or befriended? Oh, several imperial wizards. Those are, those are the highest. Because you, you, you have a bunch of imperial wizards. Each clan group has an imperial wizard and a grand, and grand dragons for every state. So, uh, what do you do with the robes? Do you burn them? Do you no, donate them? No, 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 no. I keep them because one day I'm going to open a museum. You know, I mean, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan is as American. I hate to use the cliche is as American as baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Yeah, and, I mean, they are. And it, it, it's, it's a shameful part of our past, of it's our history. It's a part of our history, though. But it is part of our history. And, you know, we shouldn't burn our history. You know, um, it should be preserved so it won't be forgotten. And I, I intend to open a museum. And, and Have you ever actually tried a robe on just to see of if course. it fits? What, 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 what was that experience like? Uh, I, I put the robe on and the hood and all the whole nine yards. I went and looked at myself in the mirror, and I looked stupid. So I took it off. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, so you didn't go take your kid trick-or-treating. With a... <laughs> no, I thought about it. I, I, I did think about it, but, you know. <laughs> you know, I'll go to a Halloween party with it, but I figured I'd probably upset too many people. Yeah, I can imagine. So uh, so, so you've interviewed, uh, I guess, uh, hundreds of Klan's members. You've converted oh, yeah. a lot of Klan's members. And and this, uh, you know, this, this uh, research gave you... Um, uh, the research for your book, uh, Clandestine exactly. Relationships of Black Man's Odyssey yeah, so, and the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, when, when, when I sat down and interviewed the first Klansman, um, he, you know, like I said, I, I was, I was uh, intending to write an article and try to sell it to a magazine. But he gave me too much information for an article and not quite enough for a book. So mm-hmm. that caused me to want to you know, expand and, and interview other leaders and, and members around the country until I had enough information for a book. So that's what I did. And then the book uh, was published in uh, 97, 98, and then it came out in paperback a few years ago. It, it seems to be making the rounds on the Internet. Um, yeah, this, uh, this lady interviewed me, uh, oh, what, about uh, a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, um, for the Las, uh, Las Vegas Guardian or something. And um, and she published the story in the Guardian, and, and then uh, I guess put it on Facebook or something, and um, and then it just kind of like went viral. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to encourage people to pick it up real quick. So you're still playing music professionally? Absolutely. Um, what, what's the name of your band? 
The Daryl Davis Band, D-A-R-Y-L. And uh, you, do you tour the country? I do. I tour the country, and I also go overseas. I, I know you've played with some famous musicians in your time, Chuck Berry being one of them. Who, who else have you played with? I've played with uh, Elvis Presley's Jordan Ayers, Percy Sledge, um, the Coasters, the Drifters, the legendary blues band, which was formerly the Muddy Waters band. Um, oh, my goodness. A bunch of people. Yeah, and, you know, I saw a, a picture of you uh, behind Bill Clinton. Yeah, I played his, with uh, <laughs> You played with Bill? What, what was that like? Not, not the same way Monica did, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Chuck Berry? What's, what, what's he like? I just played with Chuck Berry uh, two weeks ago down in St. Louis. Oh, he's great. He's, he's, the man is phenomenal. You know, I, I've been playing on and off with Chuck Berry for 31 years. You know, he's, he's 87 years old now. Still playing, too. Still playing. Uh, now, he's slow, you know, not, not, not playing as fast and not doing the duck walk quite as low to the ground. <laughs> but, um, but you know what? I mean, his, his legacy is intact. And, um, I mean, he, he invented rock and roll. No, I mean, nobody can There's play no, rock and roll. No guitar. doubt about that, yeah. Well, uh, Daryl, next time you're in town on the West Coast, I'm definitely going to have to check you out. Thank you for chatting with me here on the show. And uh, people, you can go to Daryl's website at DarylDavis.com, and you can purchase Clandestine Relationships, The Black Man's Odyssey, and The Ku Klux Klan at uh, Amazon.com. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. You have a happy Thanksgiving, Daryl. Same to you. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. We've got a few phone calls here. The Sick Wrong Hotline, 206-666-3846 is that number. We also got some emails that uh, we should probably bring up. First email here was sent in from Ziggy. Ziggy says, hey, Sick and Wrong, it's the guy who told you about the fisting experience some months ago. In the last episode, you called me a German. Actually, I'm a Russian, you dicks. And it's a big fucking deal. You know, we have a long history with Germans. I bet they fisted our grandparents unconsensually during the Second World War. And now you call me a German? Assholes. I've never even fucked a German. Yet. Um, keep, the, uh, keep the show up. It's awesome. Ziggy. So, uh, all right, Ziggy, there you go. Mea culpa. Wait, I didn't. <laughs> but I do, now that I think about it, he, he did have a weird accent. I think, I think he said he was Russian. Probably. It's not something that I keep in my mind. I should have just said he was foreign. Do you know, honestly, all the foreigners just kind of run together. It's, it's, it's hard to differentiate them. <laughs> all the white foreign people. <laughs> all the white foreign people. You can probably people. differentiate French and German. Yeah. I, I can barely differentiate the UK and the French, though. I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, okay, Ziggy, there you go. Sorry about that. You're, uh, you're a Russian who fists people. 
not a German who fists people, even though there probably are a lot of Germans that are doing some fisting. Yeah, I mean, when you think of a story of somebody fisting or getting fisted, you immediately sort of your mind goes to Germany. Anything like, involving an, an asshole and feces in, in porn, I think of Germans usually. So it, it seems like something Germans would do, but uh, apparently Russians do it too. Uh, so we, we got a few phone calls here at the Sigurong Hotline. A couple of them are um, – couple of them uh, were bringing up uh, were in response to previous calls and some of our questions. Uh, th- this first call, though, is an is that gay question, which is fairly topical. So let me roll the theme music here. Okay. I don't want to sound like a queer or nothing, but I think unicorns are kick-ass. Is that gay? I just watched my brother jerk off. Is that gay? I'm at the urinal and this guy's looking over the wall. Is that gay? I don't want to sound like a queer or nothing, but I think you've got a really nice ass. All right, here we go. Hi, this is Kim. I'm a long-time listener, and I was just wondering, is it gay that David Beckham had to jack off and come on a picture of a former teammate in front of all his soccer teammates? Just wondering. Bye. Did you hear about that, Wackerly? No, I didn't. So it's it's kind of like it's making the rounds on the internet. A couple people sent it in. Apparently, Beckham. Bex. Bex. Had, when he was 16, when he first started out with uh, Manchester United, Man U, they had a hazing ritual, I guess they do with all the uh, the rookies. And what they had him do is he had to stand like while his, all his teammates surrounded him, and he had to jack off till till he orgasmed all over a picture of Clayton Blackmore, who was like a famous Manchester United player. But this picture of, of Clayton Blackmore is from the 70s, so he had like this crazy shag hair and this big mustache. We'll have to post mm-hmm. a picture of that. And so, yeah, where, where did this story come from? Beckham. Beckham was interviewed, and he was talking about it on uh, I forget I forget who interviewed him, but he was like, "Yeah, you know, it's really embarrassing, but this is my hazing experience, and it still bothers me to this day." That's awfully weird and almost <laughs> unbelievable. Go, go do a search right now, and you can read about it. But yeah, what if Beck- he didn't? What if he didn't do it? Would they have beat him to a pulp? I, yeah, I don't know. It makes me wonder what what was the hazing ritual of the other rookies? Did someone have to lick the the the, the Beckham sperm off the picture? Perhaps I don't know, but you know what? It doesn't surprise me though. Think of how like you know all all f- soccer players are kind of fancy lads anyway. And have you ever heard uh, Beckham's speaking voice? He sounds he's like Jiminy Cricket. He sounds like Jiminy Cricket. Like he's got this high pitched like this high pitched voice. Does not surprise me that he jacked off on a you know a picture of some soccer player. I mean, I, but then he's with the Spice Girl, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> there's I'm quite just, a few kids with her, if I recall. Well, no, I'm sure he shagged plenty of you know he shagged more beautiful women than I could ever even dream of shagging. But, but still, I, you know, I think he's a little fancy. He seems a little fancy. I think most uh, you know most soccer players are. You know, this would never happen in the NFL. <laughs> Actually, I bet you worse things happen. It makes me wonder what all sports have their weird hazing uh, hazing rituals. Is it the same? I mean, it may, like, all sports friend, are a little bit gay, dude. Football. I think you're football. always like in the locker room naked and you're rolling around with dudes on the floor. The only sport that's not gay is darts. Yeah, darts is definitely not gay. <laughs> um, I, I can't really – I think bowling maybe. I don't think bowling's that gay. It's a little gay. You've, seen, a, those, you've seen those bowling alley bathrooms. There's some gay stuff goes on in there, I'm sure. Cruising. I, I guess, okay, bowling alleys. You know, But that, I'm saying the sport itself doesn't seem that gay, whereas football seems kind of gay. Basketball, definitely pretty gay. Tennis, really gay. Soccer, pretty gay. What about baseball? Yeah, that's pretty gay, too. What's gay about baseball? 
the bat. Yeah, you know, bats and there. There's ball handlers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I just think. Do you think? Okay, let's just get back to the question here. Do you think it's gay that Beckham jacked off in front of his team members onto a picture of some dude? You got to see a picture of this guy. Yeah, Clayton I think Blackmore. anytime you, if you're a man and you're jacking off, looking at a picture of a man, it's you can't. How are you going to say that's not gay? You know, I wonder if he was even drunk. He was only 16, too. It's got to be mm. traumatic. What were the other team members doing? Yeah, I'm watching, I w- watching a 16-year-old jack off. That seems pretty gay. I wouldn't be surprised if it was one big, huge bukkake fest over there. Mm. You know? That's what these soccer players do. I wonder what the other teams, like if, uh, you know, like isn't there like a Chelsea team and there's Manchester United and... I don't know, the other Hogwarts team or whatever. Yeah. Um, the don't you th- <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the ones playing out. What's that sport they play? Hide the Sneech or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think they were all laughing like, oh, I knew Manchester United, a bunch of puffs. Bunch of benders. Bunch of benders. Because it is kind of bent to have to jack off on a, a picture of somebody. But what do you, you mean know, it's, it's really bent? <laughs> it's not kind of bent. I'm surprised, though, that Beckham was able to – that's why Beckham is such a stellar uh, player. I mean, Beckham not only can just – you know, is, is a phenomenal player on the field. Off-field, he's able to jack off to a completion in front of all his teammates on a picture of a hideous troll-looking man. Yeah. You know, he's so, got he's got, a, he's got a lot of focus. Yeah. I wonder if he just kept this inside, like if uh, Posh Spice even knew about this. I think they share everything. <laughs> they're, in, they're in love. Have you seen a picture of Posh Spice recently? No. I mean, doesn't she look like sort of like a concentration camp survivor? Yeah, she looks like some kind of like like a skeleton. She looks like a concentration camp survivor. So That's I might hot. rather I might rather jack off to a picture of Clayton Blackmore too. Uh, so anyway, in answer to your question there, Kim, uh, yes, <laughs> very gay. Um, let's get to call number two. Hey guys, it's Eldon calling from Ottawa, Canada. I've been a listener since episode 127, and Long uh, time. just love your show. You guys are awesome. Um, I was listening uh, to some of the archive shows, and uh, one of them, episode 196, specifically when you had Joffrey on, uh, <laughs> where he had gotten ripped off, like a bunch of his video games got stolen by Christopher Fox, who lived on Mason Street Apartment. <laughs> 501. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Jeffrey uh, trying to out the dude. <laughs> Do you remember Jeff kept saying the address? And I think I, I think I tried to edit out all the times he said his last name and the address, but I think I missed a couple, apparently. Hmm. Was that ever resolved? What the hell happened with that? Jeff's <laughs> problems don't get resolved. Are you kidding me? I'm trying to think. What, what, what did happen with that? If we would have, if I would have known this question before Wax Giving, I would have asked him over the dinner table. You know, maybe we'll have Jeff on the show sometime again, and we can ask him. But you know, I'm, Jeff's I, other big thing on Thanksgiving, other than the leather hat, was it was Thanksgiving. It wasn't even Black Friday yet, and he kept saying, you know, that we had to eat like really early, like by by four or something, because he had to go to work. Because he had to go to work, and I was like, all right, all right, we'll try and get all the food ready so you can eat, and then go to, go to work at the edge. But then it came out that he, he did have to go to work, but much later. What he really had to do was he wanted to go to, what, Walmart? Best Buy. No, he wanted to go to oh, Best, Best Buy. Buy. So he could buy a new Xbox. Not on the, Black Friday, but on actual Thanksgiving Day. He kept saying, it's Gray Thursday. It's Gray Thursday. I'm like, Gray right. Thursday? Is this a thing now? When, when did Gray Thursday happen? This year. 
They, this is the first year they've been doing great. Th- yeah, he said uh, Best Buy opened up at like 7 o'clock. Yeah, so I'm just bringing it back to the whole fit Jeff and his Xboxes. Yeah, no, Jeff was like, you know, I don't think he ended up making it over there. He tried because uh, he left early, earlier than everybody else. But I think he tried to get to Best Buy and he just didn't have enough time. Damn it. So he didn't get the Xbox One. But I don't remember. I do remember this episode, though, because Jeff was livid. Remember how upset he was? Oh, yeah. I think he volunteered to come on the show because he wanted to get this guy's name out there. Actually, if you if you recall... I don't recall. <laughs> I extorted him up. to get him to come on the show because he was trying to get a new PS3. And if some people signed up to get a PS... Or if we signed up to get a PS3... Oh, yeah. Through some weird scammy, like, marketing virus distributing site. But it worked out for him, though. Because then mm-hmm. uh, he ended up getting a free PS3 for it. But... Uh, I, but, but then, yeah, but by extorting him, he came on the show to discuss having his video games ripped off, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, Jeff will meet a random guy on Craigslist, and dude will just come over. I mean, I think uh, stealing that video games happens. should be the least of his worries. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be more concerned about rectal warts. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't, you know, we should ask him. I don't know what happened with that. I don't think he got the games back. No, we'll, we'll we would have to, heard about it. Yeah, we'll have to follow up on that. On, on that, I just want to know if Christopher Fox ended up getting bitch slapped by your brother or bitch that, <laughs> I think is what he was going to do. Um, and uh, just a suggestion for the show, I think it would be absolutely incredible, uh, D, if you, Jeff, Stephanie, and Lance all got in one room and did a podcast together, just the four of you. I think that would be awesome. Anyway, love you guys. You guys are awesome. And uh, keep going. It's great entertainment. You guys rock. Take care. What about Big Jer? Yeah, Big Jer, he doesn't have the uh, comedic chops. (laughs) I think maybe he just forgot about Big Jer. Yeah, I don't know. Have we ever had my sister and Joffrey on the show at the same time? No. I don't know what would happen with that. Christmas episode. You know, I do. Coming up. I asked her because I, I uh, hung out with Stephanie, went out for lunch on uh, Friday. I was like, so are you going to get a Christmas tree this year? And she's like, hell no. But, but you're married. And she was like, yeah, all the more reason now he can't do anything about it. She's a Grinch. Poofy yeah, Grinch. I spent all day with them today. Did you, did you bring up the Christmas tree? Of course. What, what did they say? She said no. And then I kept trying to bring up alternatives <laughs> like a wreath. Or they're they're like Christmas tree sort of shaped, more of like de- decoration type things. And I asked her about some of those. What she said, no, no, adamantly against it. But what's funny, she doesn't say she doesn't just say no. She says no, and it, it's your fault that you've ruined Christmas. Talking to me for Jeremy for the rest of his life. And then I had to point out that I don't really care. <laughs> like she thinks that's going to make me feel bad, and I just don't care. I think if Jeremy like grew a sack and put his foot down about it, that he get a Christmas tree. I don't think so. You don't think I if think Jeremy might get asserted it, but himself? It would be thrown out their window the next day. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know what it would take to uh, melt her heart, but that, that poofy-haired Grinch will never allow him to have a Christmas tree. But it's a good idea there, Eldon. Maybe we will uh, have the entire Simon family on a podcast. The, the Christmas show is just around the corner. Haven't decided. There's going to be some big things happening on that show. Haven't quite decided what it's going to be yet, but uh, there will be hijinks. Uh, we got one more call here that is um, in response to some questions we had about a previous phone call. 
my Dean Lance. Um, it's the Chocolate Goddess again. Remember her? I just had yeah. a chance to listen to your guys' response to my call. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, there are a couple things I want to make. So, if if you recall, the she's referring to the call where she called up and she told some story about a guy who picked her up at boarding school and had sex or got a blowjob like in the park. Because he bought her some magazines? He bought her some magazines, yeah. Corrections about the guy who was not a child rapist. It was definitely me who was the predator. Um, I don't even remember if I told him I was 16. I probably didn't. But Yeah, but it doesn't work like that. No. <laughs> I mean, if there's some 45-year-old guy having sex with a 15-year-old, he's still a child rapist. You know, I don't, I don't think... Uh, you know, the babies that Ian Watkins was raping were like, no, you know, let me tell you my real age. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Goo, goo, gaga. <laughs> At that time, and pretty much still now, um, I prefer guys who are older. Like, guys that are my age, I don't have a lot in common with them. You know, I grew up as a girl who was in a privileged family. I went to boarding school and uh, just, I don't know, I was never really interested in guys who were my age. I was always interested in the older ages. Um, also, I'm not in my late 20s. I'm only 21 now, so it was not that long ago um, that this whole thing took place. And um, <laughs> I have to think of the other thing. Oh, uh, about the black guy story. I don't know who that is, but it's oh. definitely not me because I prefer the <laughs> I thought it was her. of Caucasian men, that's for sure. Wait, what was the black guy story? I said I thought she was the same girl as another girl who called in and she, who was dating or, or went on one date with the super buff black guy, but then she got him back to her apartment and he had like a one-inch dick. <laughs> I kind of swore they were the same girl. What do you, I know? You, you'd think you'd remember a name like Choco Goddess. Chocolate Goddess? Not Choco Goddess. She's not like a Choco Taco. <laughs> she has a Choco Taco. Right. <laughs> um, I like a little bit of swirl, you know, the interracial thing. I grew up in an all-white family, so I guess I was uh, predisposed to that. Um, Ooh, she likes the white guys. Let's see, you guys. Sounds want to like she likes her story. white dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's got a thing for her white father. Guys are my dad. Yeah, she likes older guys. She likes white guys. They're all white, yeah. And she grew up in a, a white family, privileged. Went to boarding school. So she didn't see her dad very often, only on holidays. I think she's got. I think you're onto something here. Um, if you were Mark Marin, <laughs> you could point out that she didn't uh, say she liked Jews. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, if you're Mark Marin, oh, right, you could right. point out what that. Uh, when did uh, when did the finger go in inside the butthole? You? Hmm. <laughs> I guess one time. Uh, I can tell you about getting caught. Um, one time I was seeing this guy, and I guess it was the first time I was seeing him because, you know, I was definitely a horny teenager, and I wasn't really wanting to get with the guys that were on campus with me. Um, so he came and picked me up in, like, this Hot big for white truck, and I had kind of snuck off uh, the campus with him. And then I got a call from my father. I was like, where the fuck are you? You know, because they saw me going off of the... Uh, campus, I guess. With a guy that looks exactly like him, same age. <laughs> what are you doing going out with that older man? Uh, one of the students, actually a friend of mine. So I ended up 
being lit off in the cold of New Hampshire, I had them let me out um, of the car, and I was walking around for, like, two hours in the cold until the sheriff came and picked me up. And then I was escorted back to my boarding school, and the next day I was uh, expelled, of course. Whoa. I had to take a home, home, and I had to look at my parents coming off the plane looking like my daughter is a whore. <laughs> so um, I guess that's an interesting story for you. And I would say, yeah, I'm definitely the kinky type. You know, I'm very much a girl who has a nice job. I live in New York City. Um, I was very blessed and, you know, I have a nice two-bedroom apartment um, that my parents pay for right now. But <laughs> I'm definitely loving the CD Underbelly. And I've been listening to you guys for maybe five years or so. Hmm. Since I was wow. probably 16. <laughs> Since I'm 20 now. I mean, 21 now. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll try to call in next time and be a little more prepared. I was in the middle of actually cleaning and listening to you guys when I was surprised by my story. So I just called. 16 years old, huh? She's lucky she's not 16 long. and pregnant. Or wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it's better pregnant from a sick and wrong fan. Another one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I kind of like the fact that the, the privileged enjoy our show. Makes me think right. that we well, hit... Well, our show definitely makes fun of the less privileged, so why wouldn't they? Yeah, but I think, we, I think it's a cross-cultural program, though. You know, we, we, people of all income levels can equally enjoy sick and wrong. And you know, it's something I pride myself on, Wackerly. I know. I, well, she better be buying a lot of Adam and Eve toys and T-shirts and stuff with this high income she has. Doesn't she sound hot? I'm trying yeah. to think of who she looks like. In my mind, I think she looks like the uh, the singer Aaliyah. Remember her? The one that died in the plane crash? Aaliyah? No, I don't remember her. She's really attractive. I, I picture her looking kind of like Aaliyah. What's you the know? one that sings that New York song? Beyonce. No, that's not Beyonce. It is totally Beyonce. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, she sings it with Jay-Z. I don't think it's Beyonce. Rihanna. Nope. The other one. What? Never mind. <laughs> Michael, you need to get your uh, black female pop stars sorted out here. Uh, you... Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I can't think of any of the other Jennifer Hudson. Saying. Uh, is that no. who you're thinking of? Okay. No. All right. You know what? I give up. I'm no longer going to shout out uh, black female prop stars' names. I'm going to move on. Uh, uh, I think it's. I think she looks like Aaliyah, but that's who I think. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I want to hear some more of these boarding school stories because it sounds kind of sexy. I wonder where she went to college. When did, you get out of boarding school, what, 18? I'm sure she went to an Ivy. Do you think she went to an Ivy League school? I mean, she, only because she was going to boarding school in New Hampshire, and now she li- lives and works in New York at some high-paying jobs, which she said. So, it's, I mean, it sounds like she went to something like, you know, Princeton, Brown. What's that really expensive all-girls one? Oh, uh, in uh, Massachusetts, right? Yeah. I know the one you're talking <laughs> not about. Not Smith, but the other one. Or not uh, Vassar, but the other one. You know, I don't know if Mr. Drummond would have sent her there. (laughs) (laughs) What you talking about, Dave? Anyway, uh, people can call Signal Hotline, 206-666-3846. We've got to get out of here. People, listen to the show on iTunes. Subscribe, 
rate, comment. We appreciate that. Just go to iTunes. Do a search for Sick and Wrong. You'll see the uh, the familiar skull, Groucho Skull logo will pop up. And, uh, yeah, you know, helps uh, boost exposure for the show. Also, Sick and Wrong Tees. You know, the holiday season is upon us. And other than uh, dildos, I can't really think of a better gift for uh, the holidays than a Sick and Wrong T-shirt. So go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash store and order a Sick and Wrong tee. You know, we're running out of mediums, so I'm going to have to order some more. So, uh, But right now we have plenty of larges, extra larges, and smalls available. Uh, finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. I was trying to find something KKK-themed because it'd be appropriate. And uh, the, the one I came up with is, is the KKK Took My Baby Away by the Ramones. You know that song, Wackerly? Yep. It's actually not about the KKK. It's Joey wrote the song about Johnny. Because apparently, and uh, uh, Joey Ramone, who was just a weirdo. Joey Ramone had all sorts of issues. Uh, I know he was OCD. Um, he, he just said, uh, I think he... He had that disease where you're... Of really long fingers and arms and neck and head. But he was also an agoraphobe. He only loved one woman. And uh, Johnny, who is like the leader of the band, but is also conservative, and uh, he ruled that band with an iron fist. Johnny ended up stealing the one woman that Joey loved. And uh, Joey wrote the song, The KKK Took My Baby Away, about uh, Johnny Ramone. But I've, I figured, you know, it has KKK in the title. You know, it seems to make sense. So um, we're going to end the show here with the KKK took my baby away. Uh, people, make sure you pick up Daryl Davis's book. I bet you that's a good gift. That's a good gift for uh, Christmas. Um, Clandestine Relationships, A Black Man's Odyssey in the Ku Klux Klan. Daryl Davis, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. People will be back next week with episode 410. Till then, take a sleazy. Goodbye. She never got there, she never got there, they say it.
Fuck you! Lick my ball!